This is the Midweek Exception, an NBA podcast for the 1st of December 2015. I'm John, and joining me as always is my co-host, Grant. Yes, and I'm getting sick of the cold already, and it's only friggin' December 1st. I actually haven't walked outside yet today, and I'm looking outside, and it looks like sunny. It looks like it could be spring-like weather, but I have a feeling it's just going to really suck when I walk out today. Yep, nope. Uh, Today was the first day I could tell it was actually truly winter because I had like a small crack in one of my fingers and I went outside and it started bleeding. That sucks. That's where we're at. Right. Uh I'm not ready for it. It's still only like 28 degrees, so. Uh, Yeah, I know, because like it's it's like one of those things where it's it's deceptive because you look outside and the snow is like already melted pretty much from the snowfall last week. So I assumed like, okay, well, it's, it's, you know, it's warmer out now. That was kind of like a fluke, but it looks like it's going to be cold and terrible the next few days, probably for just probably the beginning of the stretch of terrible weather here. So we're due for what December, January, February, March, usually maybe April Pretty much sucks yep, a little bit of April. So there we are. That's where we're at terrible so today for the podcast we're doing another three up three down episode where we look at three teams and three players that are trending in the upward direction and also in the downward direction to kick it off we'll just start off with our three up teams and the first team we're going to talk about is the charlotte hornets who are sitting at 10 and 7 right now something that i hadn't really expected to be completely honest um even early in the season i think through their first six games, they were kind of sitting at they were sitting at two and four. So I kind of figured they're not not that they're a bad team necessarily, but you know they're missing Michael Kidd Gilchrist and Al Jefferson's been kind of like injured on and off throughout the season. I guess he's been out for two to three weeks now. So at a certain point, I didn't suspect that they were going to be particularly good, but here they are, you know, with a winning record right now. Steve Clifford just got an extension on his contract. So what would you credit for the success of the Hornets so far this season? Well, obviously Frank Kaminsky. Right. Do you have a Frank to tank watch for us right now or anything like that? Yep. Not much has changed. Uh, He's shooting better, though. He is actually shooting a lot better. He's shooting almost 40% from three, which is really kind of what they brought him in for. Uh, His overall field goal percentage is 40% as well. So... (laughs) Pretty much shooting uh, across the board 40%, which is actually pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, definitely needs to work on his post moves. But, you know, he's getting there. He's still only averaging like 14 minutes a game and like about five points. And I think I'm uh, bumping him up to five, if I'm being honest. Um, I mean, obviously he's got work to do, but hey, he's coming along. Yeah. Um, but in all honesty, I think it's just they're playing as a team. I mean, this is a team we can't forget that made the playoffs a couple of years ago and then unfortunately kind of saw everything fall apart temporarily, you know, and uh, they started off pretty poorly. But, you know, I think to everyone's surprise, they're actually still playing pretty damn good defense and they're just looking overall well playing team basketball, which I think a lot of us did not necessarily expect from them which i don't know i mean i'm still very surprised that they kind of put together that streak and you know beating a handful of teams keeping it close against the Cavs, 
And they're putting up points too, which is – this is a team that really couldn't score even when they were good. So seeing them kind of actually have an offensive game, Cody Zeller is actually starting to look pretty good. I know Al Jefferson just got injured, but he was still – he was looking decent. And, I mean, Jeremy Lin has been kind of – I mean, I don't know if a surprise – but he's played kind of to his potential, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. No. I get. I, I completely get what you mean. I think I wouldn't credit the team's success on him, which like initially I think I would have. Because like, oh well, who's the big addition to the team? It's Jeremy Lin, so he has to be what went right. Obviously, losing Lance Stevenson probably helped them as well. But it's hard to ignore the fact that Lin has played really, really well so far for this team. I mean. In the last couple of games, he hasn't gotten to double-digit scoring or anything like that. But previously, you know, he could put up 15-plus points per game usually. So he's he's playing up to the potential that, like you said, that he has, I think. I mean, he's – uh, yeah, I mean, he's shooting – let's see. He's shooting 40% right now, so, you know, good 30% right now. So I could see him doing better, I guess, like going forward. But by and large, yeah, I think he's – been playing pretty great yeah. do they have the best home court advantage aside from the warriors because they are eight and two at home right now they lost by two to the hawks and by five to the Cavs at home and those are two teams that you would imagine would completely blow them out you know yeah exactly and then otherwise they've taken care of business at home so it makes me wonder, well, you know, what's going that, That's got to be a big thing, too. I haven't necessarily watched too many of their home games, but to me, that shows their fans are coming out and they're playing. I mean, that's how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to be way better at home, but we haven't seen that in the last couple of years. Right. Yeah. I mean, they, they I'm looking at their uh, offensive like factors on basketball reference now, and you still get like their total turnover percentage or number one right now, not turning the ball over particularly often as well, often in games. Um, offensive rating they're seventh in the nba 12th in defensive rating so they're just doing a lot of things well right now and i think it's it's what you said i mean at a certain point they do have this really good home court advantage so definitely one of those teams that's trending in the right direction right now i think yep and they uh i mean there's no reason they should really slow down it's not like they caught a bunch of breaks or anything. They're playing just good basketball and they kind of got over that early season hump. So, and uh, now another team who we've kind of, we were high on and then low on and now we're high on again is the Orlando magic. Yeah. They, also uh, they've risen back up into uh playoff contention with three wins in a row. And I think they're six and four over their last 10. I believe so. Yeah. So, I mean, they were under an under 500 team, so two games over 500 really helps them. And now, you know, they're in the A spot, and we'll get we'll kind of get to uh, this later. But there is one clear move that kind of uh, started their winning streak, and that was benching Oladipo. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to him uh, a little bit later in the podcast, but definitely. I mean, I think Scott Skiles has done a really good job making the adjustments that he has needed to during the games. You can't, <clears throat> you can't, you know, ignore the contributions from players like Evan Fournier, who's playing really, really well right now. I think better than anyone really expected for him to play um, this season. I'm, uh, 
I'm honestly, I'll be honest, I'm still kind of baffled as to how they're doing this well right now. And I'm hoping that you have a bit more to say about them because they're a team that I've watched a handful of times. Every time I've watched them, I've said that you can see the potential there. They have they have like a decent roster right now, I think. But um, this kind of blows my mind seeing them have a record above 500 right now. I mean, do you, do you put it on coaching a lot of it, do you think? I mean, I think so. I think Scott Skiles has proven that he is a good coach for a young team. I mean, he's done it, you know, with three different teams in the past decade here with the Bulls, the Bucks, and now the Magic, where he takes a struggling team that's got some potential and he he coaches them to a 500 record. I mean, that is what he does. That's kind of what he's famous for. Yeah, he's never, he's probably not going to be the coach that takes you to, you know, the conference finals or the finals, but he looks to be the coach that, gets fired and then the next coach takes you to the finals <laughs> yeah it's a it's kind of a grim job uh description i guess but it's it's true really it's kind of what happens with him <laughs> yeah and i mean they just they look better i mean alfred payton is getting to be kind of a, a walking double double um mm-hmm. oladipo coming off the bench is kind of a spark plug so like him, mean, he came. He got twenty four off the bench the other day, I believe, against the uh, Knicks, and even uh, I mean Hazonia, he's shown flashes. I mean, I personally think he's overhyped thanks to Bill Simmons, right. um, but he looks to be a solid player, and they could definitely use a guy on the wing. And they're just kind of they're getting contributions from pretty much everybody on their team, which. I think we didn't really see, uh, you know, that much from. And I mean, like you said, Evan Fournier and Nick Vucevic, who, who would have guessed that those would be their two leading scorers when you have Tobias Harris and Victor Oladipo? Right. So, I mean, I just think this is a, a, a young team with a lot of talent. I mean, even with that, the veteran presence of like Channing Fry, I bet you that really helps him. Even CJ Watson, you know, those guys know how to win, and they know how to, you know, they know how to be professionals. They've been in the league long enough, so I think that really helps them. I think if they really wanted to contend and for you know a playoff spot, they'd probably need to grab another veteran, right? Probably another veteran big man to come off the bench at center. Um, that's not. Jason Smith or Dwayne Dedman. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, all signs point to kind of a bright future and this is it's almost like the I don't I don't know, it's not probably not fair to compare, but it's almost the opposite of the Sixers. Yeah, where they've got a bunch of young talent with veterans, but they're actually trying. Right. And again, it's not a great comparison because there's clearly much more talented, but I mean, it's not like the Magic didn't build through the draft the last couple of years. I mean, they drafted Peyton, they drafted Oladipo, and they made one big move and got, you know, Tobias Harris and Nick Nick Vucevic. And look at that start – well, not anymore starting for Oladipo, but look at that, you know, big four. Right. And just a simple signing of Fournier, you know, like for cheap pretty much. And you've got a solid top five players. And then you've got, you know, a veteran coming off the bench. And 
you just look at it and this is probably a much better blueprint on how to rebuild than to just tank your way into a bunch of draft picks and then fuck up those draft picks. Yeah, no, it seems um, to be the case. Yeah. yeah, sorry, we got way off track there, but I just I saw it and I, and I went for it. So all that are listening, I apologize for that tangent. But that is my take on the magic. That's a that's a good take, and I think it kind of probably sums up how if I dug into it a bit more, I would probably feel. I think a lot of things you already said are things I agree with. I think Scott Skiles is a large part of their success so far this season. I think they they rebuilt the right way in the same way. I feel like the Timberwolves kind of rebuilt in the right way. You know, there's there's really no right or wrong way. Can you hear the sirens going off in the background, by the way? Or no? I can. What's going on? It's uh, the first Tuesday of the month, so they do like tornado oh, sirens and shit. Those type of sirens. I gotcha. Right, so... That's fun. Yeah. So hopefully that'll go away soon, but um... But yeah, Scott Skiles, I think, you know, coaching really, really well for this team right now. Um... I was going to say, there's, there's no really right or wrong way to do a rebuild. There are ways that you can accelerate the process. And I think it's almost like it's less risky to do it the way the Magic and the Timberwolves did, where, you know, you have you have like already solid pieces on the roster. Same with the Milwaukee Bucks, who we'll get to in a few seconds. Um, but the 76ers, you know, their whole thing about you're basically trying to swing for the fences in the draft and hoping you're going to get that generational player that's like incredible talent and you know it's not guaranteed it's going to happen you know it so i think what the 76 is doing is really interesting but i just don't know if it's going to pan out at all yeah i mean in like i mean i think bill simmons said it the uh the other day on one of the um bill simmons podcasts and they tank their way to like ben simmons it's probably all worth it yeah but at the same time, the Nets could get Ben, or not the Nets, um, the Lakers could get Ben Simmons, you know. Right. The, there's a number of other teams that could fall into Ben Simmons. I mean, even the Timberwolves, like, hell, they could fall into Ben Simmons if, if they're, I know, a top, a bottom five team in the lottery. Like, you don't really know what's going to happen. Right. And so, I don't know. I just, I think the Magic probably did it right and may have the better GM or the smarter GM. And when he saw a deal, he took it instead of he saw a moderate to crappy deal and said, fuck it. There's a second rounder in there. Yeah, exactly. Um, sorry, I was trying to wait for the siren to go away, but it doesn't seem to be working in my favor right now. Yeah, that is a weird sounding siren coming through on my end. So people are gonna. This is like a creepy podcast where this should have been on a Halloween. Yes, yeah, yeah, it should have been the Halloween episode, definitely. So the uh, next team we have is the Oklahoma City Thunder. For one of our teams, that are trending in the upward direction. We have them at eleven and seven right now. Kevin Durant kind of just came back for the team recently. I think since last time we did a podcast. Um, you know, they weathered the storm without having KD pretty well, actually. I think they, they went 500 during that stretch, I think, or maybe work a game under 500. Yeah, and Westbrook just pretty much went into God mode, averaging like 29, 9, and 7. Like, it's, that guy's just ridiculous. Yeah. And, I mean, he just there's shows no signs of, of stopping. I mean, that is that's when, he thri- that's when he's been thriving. Right. He thrives when... Kevin Durant is out, and then he just goes, okay, well, hey, 
well, uh, you know, Sam Presti gave me nothing really to work with. So, well, I'm just going to take the ball and, you know, take 30 shots and hope that a couple of them go in. And then, oh, by the way, I'm going to grab every rebound that's out there and run down the court and take care of it myself because no one's helping me out. Right. Which, I mean, if that's what you have to do when, a, you know, when a, one of your star players is absent, it makes me wonder, really, like, not that I question my my prediction that the uh, Thunder would go deep in the playoffs. I still think they will. I still think they have a pretty good shot at getting to the NBA Finals. But if you're really relying on just one guy when the rest – when when Kevin Durant is out, it makes you wonder really how deep is the team really? I mean, they do, you know, they have Serge Ibaka, obviously they develop a nice bench unit, but you know, is that enough to really make like a strong push for them in the West? So they're it kind of, it, it hangs on Kevin Durant's health really, I think. Yeah. I mean, that's really exactly what it does. Is Kevin Durant's not healthy. It nothing. They're not going to go anywhere. Right. Can you hear the sirens on my end now? No, I can't. I think you're okay. Um, there. Um, but, I mean, when we have seen Kevin Durant get healthy, he, I mean, he looks healthy. Like, when he's playing, he looks like the good old Kevin Durant that we saw, you know, carry a team win an MVP, you know? Right, yeah. So, I mean, so, so far this season, the Thunder, though, you know, we already said 11-7, and seven, second in rebounding in the NBA, ninth in assists, first in blocks. Um not really shooting the ball from deep very much, um, but otherwise fourth in total points in a game. Um, by and large, kind of an offensive machine right now. Just a team that you know. Yeah, I mean, when well, you was going to play defense besides Stephen Adams, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's, that's the question. Um, I Baca. That's that that goes unsaid, but right. Um, but yeah, this one of those teams definitely trending the upward direction right now. They. They look like they're going to be a team that's going to go on those pretty, you know, decently long six-game, five-game winning streaks throughout the season and then drop a game. But by and large, I think they're pretty much – they're in a good place going forward this season, especially with Grant Peck. Well, currently they're on a four-game winning streak, I think, and they're seven and three in their last ten. Which, I mean, we were pretty down on the Thunder last time we had this podcast. I don't know if they actually made – one of the trending down teams, but I mean, we were definitely down on them. They did not look, they did not look that great. They had dropped a bunch of games and they didn't look like they were playing, you know, championship basketball, but it looks kind of like they're back to that. And that all comes back to what we said first. Everything is going to hinge on Kevin Durant's health. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's definitely the truth. Uh, with the team, they just lost last night to the Atlanta Hawks by uh, oh okay by six yeah but you know but still they were on a four game winning streak going into that game so it's it's whatever really um going to our moving down teams I guess the uh, much more dire section of the podcast we have the Milwaukee yeah we never Bucks. like having to do yeah. it yeah so the Milwaukee Bucks are the first team we have they are at seven and eleven right now. All their, you know, advanced statistics stuff is not particularly good. 16th in offensive rating, 29th in defensive rating. Uh, yeah, things are not going well in Milwaukee right now. Michael Carter-Williams has been, 
anything but good so far for this team, it seems. Um, but John, he cut his hair. so but he finally cut his hair, so maybe that will result in um, in better play from him or something like that. You never know. It could have a huge effect for him. But otherwise, uh, yeah, he is really struggling this season. Um, you know, last night he had an okay line. He had 12 points, 9 assists, 6 rebounds. But prior to that, it had been a lot of, you know, two three-point games in a row, four-point game, uh, both games where you're shooting 33%. So, uh, yeah, he's not doing particularly great so far this season. But it, it rests on the rest of the team outside of him. I mean, a lot of the guys just haven't been performing up to the expectations, I think, that were set by him. Do you think... Well, yeah, O.J. Mayo kind of fell back down to earth. Right, um, yeah. I mean, I don't know what to expect from Grievous Vasquez. I mean, I, I like to think that he'd be better than seven points a game. Mm-hmm. but he's still averaging four assists and he's a shooter. I, I don't know. I think putting Michael Carter Williams on the bench just kind of makes a lot of sense. And I think this is a, a move that might be fairly permanent because if you look at their starting lineup, one of the things they lacked severely was outside shooting. And we've talked about this, you know, ad nauseum. They don't. They do not have outside shooting. They do not shoot the ball well. But they have these dynamic playmakers. But the problem is when Chris Middleton is kind of your best outside shooter, he still isn't great. You know, he'll hit the shots, but it's not like he's a spot up shooter. Jared Bayless is a decent shooter, but he's not a spot up three point shooter. You put Grievous Vasquez in that starting lineup. He is a spot up three point shooter. Right. You know, he he can and will make the make the deep shots and OJ Mayo. Yeah, he can shoot, but he's not a great shooter. So putting Michael Carter Williams on the bench with more shooters makes more sense. And putting a shooter in the starting lineup with, you know, like Giannis, Chris Middleton and Greg Monroe to help space the floor just makes a lot more sense. Right. You kind of wonder, I mean, I guess they can't get much worse defensively. So you, you don't you don't think that it's gonna drop them too much, but some weird stuff's going on with the Bucks. You expect them to figure it out again. They are still seven and eleven, so they're not out of it by any means. And I this is also the last kind of point is good and bad. Great to see Giannis leading the team in points, but he probably shouldn't be leading the team in points yet on a playoff team. Right. That yeah. That. That could be problematic, I think, going forward. I mean, Giannis has looked actually really good so far this season. He's kind of been the bright spot, I think, for the uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks going forward. But um, otherwise, yeah, just it doesn't bode well when he's the leading scorer for your team, I think, as of right now for like a potential playoff team going forward. I think there's obviously time to correct all of this and for them to get everything together. But it's just a really weird start of the season for the Milwaukee Bucks. I think I didn't really anticipate that they would be sitting at seven and 11 early. I thought that they'd, you know, maybe maybe sitting at 500 right now, or maybe a game or two above, but maybe do you think everyone was a little bit too high on the Bucks going forward? Do you think people were maybe too hyped by the Greg Monroe uh, pickup in the off season? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I can say I was one of those people that was too hyped. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I really like Greg Monroe, and I really like Greg Monroe's game. I, I thought that was 
possibly the best signing in the offseason. You know, right. they needed a future big man, and Greg Monroe has all star potential. Um, but I don't know. They just, their whole team, besides kind of Giannis, seems to have regressed. And whereas I thought Chris Middleton was just kind of slumping towards the end of the season, mm-hmm. that slump has carried over into this season. He should be in kind of the almost the Jimmy Butler category in terms of averaging between 20 and 25 points. There's really no reason Chris Middleton should not average at the minimum 18 points a game. He should really be averaging like 22 points a game on this team, and he's averaging 14. Right. You know, he should be the one that they are not necessarily building around, but he should be who they're almost running their offense through. Like it should be him and Greg Monroe probably averaging the most points on this team. But that's not happening. And I mean, I guess maybe we expected too much of a jump from him. Right. Yeah. But I mean, I, I, you see the potential and you see these flashes from him and he just kind of has not lived up to that yet. Maybe he's still kind of figuring it out. Maybe teams are keying in on him too much, but he definitely has some work to do. And I mean, I expect his totals to go up, but like I said, Giannis should not be leading the team in points with 16. Now it's great. It's great to see him develop, but he should not be have to be relied upon this much this soon. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's uh it's a huge issue that he's being relied on so much this early in the season, I think. Um it's a matter, I think, of also a lot of other guys stepping up. I think so far this season, Chris Milton has disappointed me. Uh, you know, obviously, like Carter Williams, Jabari's coming back from an injury, so it's going to take a bit of time for him to get himself, you know, set up and playing well. But it's even like some of the bench players, John Henson, uh, Tyler Ennis, Chris Copeland, some of those guys, I think, you know, going forward, everyone needs to kind of step it up for this team. They lack much of a bench right now, and that's kind of what's hindering them, I think. Yeah, and on paper, their bench isn't even that bad. They're right. just not really playing. Um, and I think a lot of people, myself including, just kind of did the, made the classic mistake of, oh, he's back from his ACL tear, he's healthy, he'll be ready to play. That's not right. how it works. Mm-hmm. You know, That's just not how it works. You need to play yourself. I mean, Jabari Parker will not be – I don't think we'll see the real Jabari Parker probably until next season. Right, this yeah. Because this is going to end up being his rookie year. He's, he's just going to have a higher basketball IQ than most rookies. I mean, mm-hmm. he's going to go through a lot of growing pains. He, I'm sure he still doesn't trust his knee all that much. You know, he doesn't look to be favoring it, but I'm sure he's still not in, in game shape. He's still probably not conditioned. So that's another piece where, you know, he's kind of there almost six-man but he, he, it's really unfair to treat him like a six-man. Right. Yeah, no, it's it's true. I think it's not fair to really treat him as that right now in the season. I mean, you know, he still has a ton of potential ahead of him. It's just it's what you said. This is basically going to be his rookie year. He's going to have growing pains throughout the season as well. So he's got to hope they can kind of get everything together and figure things out and, you know, have a good contributing role on this team going forward. Yep. So now the team that... I am most disappointed in. Can you guess who it is? Washington Wizards. Yep. 
Washington Wizards. What what happened? I mean, I know they 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 were your pick as your team that would be number one in the East by the end of the season, which they could still do. They could go on a huge winning streak and they could pull everything together. But as of now, it does not doesn't look like that is the case. Um, just is it a matter of is is it the coaching? Is it everyone on the team not looking good so far this season? Uh, is he, well, he's John doing, Wall yeah. suffering from uh, Derrick Rose disease right now. Okay, he's averaging sixteen points a game, mm-hmm. shooting thirty nine percent. He's basically taking five shots a game, or he's taking fourteen shots a game and making five of them. Right, and then instead of you know, kind of his, and then he's averaging seven to seven and a half assists, which is good. Three rebounds, which is good. But still, if he's only going to be scoring, you know, 16 points, he should be scoring 16 points on less shots and more assists. Right. And then he yeah. can't shoot the three ball. He's shooting 28% from three. Everyone kind of thought Otto Porter was ready to make the next step after the playoffs. That's clearly not happening, shooting 29% from three, shooting 45% from the field, but. They don't need another guy kind of clogging the lane. And, I mean, Jared Dudley, to give him credit, he's not playing terribly. I mean, he's shooting three ball decent, 45%. He's just not getting that many minutes. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. Then you've got Gary Neal playing solid. But when Gary Neal and Jared Dudley are kind of your most efficient players, that's that's not good. That does not bode well for them. And then looking at their bench, it's just well, I'm not going to say the real word I want to say, but it's a mess. Yeah. Um, I mean, you have four big men fighting for rotation spots. I don't. This team just does not make a lot of sense. Yeah. Right now, and. I don't know. The roster doesn't make that much sense. It just, I don't, I don't know. This is, just, it's just confusing. I mean, Chris Humphreys is starting, but that should just be more for defense and rebounds. But hey, he's only friggin' averaging five rebounds a game. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, what the hell? I feel In like, like 20 yeah. minutes, he's getting five rebounds, you know. I don't know. Like, it's so hard to describe because this team should be so much better, but they they need to make trades, but who the hell are they going to trade and what are they going to get for it? Right, exactly. That's the question is like, you know, you're already hearing the, you know, the stuff that the team's obviously been really frustrated about with the consistent questions of like, oh, are they going to trade Kevin Durant in the offseason? And it's it's too much to predict, like, oh, that's bothering the team. That's what's throwing them off. But, like, just something has looked completely off with this team so far this season. And really with the Wizards right now, they can only go as far as John Wall can take them, really. And the rest of the whole team, the team as a whole is what you said. I mean, no one's really living up to their potential right now. I mean, I was really high on Otto Porter going into this season. I thought he was going to be a really, really big piece for this team, and he was – you know, he's going to look really good this season going forward. And he's had those games where he's looked pretty solid. I mean, he's had a 19-point game against Milwaukee, 17-point game against Detroit. But by and large, he hasn't looked that great for the team so far. I don't think so anyway. Um, 
He's, I mean, if anything, he might be one of the, he could be, I guess, one of the brighter spots going forward for their future, maybe. But I don't know, really. Yeah, and you look at him, you know, what's Otto Porter's trade value to possibly, you know, get an actual piece that could help them maybe contend. But Otto Porter's some guy that you would have to package with someone else, and there's really no one else to package him with. I don't think anyone's taking Nene. Mm-hmm. No one wants Drew Gooden. Yeah. <laughs> no one wants Ramon Sessions. No one wants Humphreys, really. Yeah. It's just the. It's so hard to articulate because so much has gone wrong. And the only thing that's really gone right for them is Bradley Beal looks as good as ever. Yeah. He is, he's averaging almost 20 points, 80% from the free throw line, which shouldn't be as important as it actually is. You know, he's a freaking shooting guard, but there's plenty of people that can't shoot free throws right now. And it's actually frustrating as all hell, but yeah. And then 43% from three and 47% from the field, you know, that is, that's huge. You know, he's taking five threes a game and he's making damn near two and a half of them. So that's important at 20 points. He's playing efficient basketball and I mean, he looks, he looks great. He looks solid. Unfortunately, John Wall and Bradley Beal aren't going to take this team to the next level. Yeah. I think they're just, they kind of thought, I think this team thought they could coast to the playoffs, grab between a three and a six seed, and then bust their ass in the playoffs, you know, and, you know, putting an A in the starting lineup and then really get after it. But, that's not going to happen when yeah. you're under 500 and your team looks like shit. Yeah. And the thing is like, there are a lot of teams that they should in theory be playing better than right now who are in the playoff picture. I mean, it's early in the season, but the wizards are better than the Charlotte Hornets. They are better than the Boston Celtics. Probably. I mean, I think the Celtics, a lot of their success is because of Brad Stevens then there's other teams that are ahead of them right now. They're better than the Orlando Magic. Pistons, it might be iffy on, I guess, but I think they're probably better than the Pistons, better than the Knicks. So it's just very odd to see the what the Wizards, you know, as far down as they are right now in the Eastern Conference. Um, just the, just ahead of Milwaukee right now, which is surprising because of how bad Milwaukee has been. So I guess to be anywhere near them, it goes to show really how poor they've been so far this season. Um, yeah. our next team that we had. Sorry, go ahead. Nope, I was just gonna. I was ready to move on. I'm done being <laughs> pessimist about the Wizards. So another team to be depressed about is the Denver Nuggets, who are in the midst of a losing streak, uh, seven game losing streak, right now, sitting at six and twelve. Started off the season on a great note, being the Houston Rockets by twenty points, then dropping two games then beating the Lakers, then dropping two games, going on a three-game winning streak, dropping a game, and then proceeding to go on a huge losing streak that they are on right now. So the bright spot, obviously, for this team is Gallinari. He's looked pretty good so far this season, averaging 17.4 points, 6.6 rebounds. Emmanuel Moutier has been interesting to watch, to say the least, I think, so far this season. Um you see the potential there. Obviously, he's going to be in the future. He will be a really good player. His main issue right now appears to be just keeping those turnovers down. 
obviously he you know first game of his NBA career he turns the ball over 11 times not the best note to start on but you know going forward that's a number that he's improved upon pretty much consistently even though still not really getting it down to the number you'd want out of your starting point card he's averaging just a bit shy of six turnovers a game so far or sorry he's at four turnovers a game so far the season average um but yeah, the Denver Nuggets, it's not really a hell of a lot there. Their third leading scorer is Will Barton. Um, Kenneth Fareed is, he's uh, he's been all right for them so far this season, from what I can tell, honestly. But I don't really know what the, what the plan for success going forward is for the Denver Nuggets. And I don't know if it's a question really anyone can answer for the team right now. Yeah, they their team that if you had if you were doing randoms in 2K, yeah, you would be okay with because they've got a bunch of little three-point shooters. But that's not how you win in the NBA. Right. Um you know, Gary Harris looks pretty solid. You know, I'll give him credit. Started every game he's played in, he's shooting 44% uh, from three and almost 50% from the field. I mean, that's that's pretty good for him, um, for kind of someone that wasn't necessarily that heralded coming out. I don't Sorry. <laughs> I just got uh, cut off real quick. But, no worries. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, we know where the hell did Will Barton come from, <laughs> you know? Um Fareed, he's just, I think we're pretty sure he's never taking the next step, right? Yeah, no, I don't think he's going to. I think, you know, I think it was almost during the um, like Team USA training camp stuff that everyone got really hyped on him. Well, actually, yeah, he was like dunking over. Yeah. You know, he... second, uh, I don't know. It. This team needs to trade. And I've, I think I said this probably once a week on, our, yeah. on one of our podcasts. This team needs to trade and trade and trade again. Yeah. They, I mean, keep Moutier. Yeah. And honestly, keep Harris. You know, he looks like he could still be a bright spot. But trade for Reed while he's got value. We've seen his ceiling, I think. He's not really getting – he's not going to get any better. Mm. He's, he's not going to turn into – an all-star who's going to give you, you know, 18 points a game. And I mean, he's averaging 26 minutes a game, mm. grabbing eight rebounds, which is solid. But when you're only going to put up 12 points and you're not the most, yeah, you're not enough. I don't know. It just, I'm not high on Kenneth Freed. Yeah. I think he could be a great rotational player on like a playoff team, mm-hmm. but you, people need you just you can't build your team around him, right? Um, same. I mean, Gallinari. That's someone. It's kind of like you, you could keep, but imagine trading the likes of Farid and Gallinari separately. It's probably going to yield you mid to late first rounders. That could be two right there. Mm-hmm. You know, packaged with even like a JJ Hickson. You know, people would take a JJ Hickson. There's there's pieces that they could get rid of, and I think they're at the point where they should. Right. Yeah. You know, they would benefit 
a lot from, you know, selling off on basically most of their assets that aren't, you know, under 24 and build around a solid back, what could be a solid backcourt in Moutier and Harris and kind of just coast this year, get a top five pick and hope that it becomes Ben Simmons. Another team that could steal Ben Simmons away from the Sixers. Yeah. Creating this kind of like perfect storm of the, uh, for the rookie draft the coming season is them getting the number one pick or number two pick overall or whatever and just seeing complete chaos happen with the 76ers it's almost like the most that's the most entertainment you're going to get out of the nuggets probably this season i think really yeah okay i I feel stupid when i'm going to ask you this where's nurkic or nurchich whatever the hell his name is nurkic where like where where is he where is he from or just like where is he right now where is he right now is he injured uh yeah, I believe so. Yeah, he is. He uh he had a knee surgery and is supposed to return like later in the in the month, I think. I mean I'm looking at basketball reference now and they're saying he's not expected to return early December, so it must be later in the month or maybe even early next month, I think. Well there you go. There's another player. We'll let them build around. Yeah. You know, like between him and Fareed, they're gonna end up being similar players. You know, yeah. if if you know Fareed is kind of what seems like Nurkic is how the hell you pronounce it. Yeah. Um, that's like his ceiling, you know, a, a solid rebounder, a scrapper, and can score when he has to, and can score at a decent percentage. So there you go. That that supplants Fareed, and you've got a nice young core of Moutier, Harris, and Nurkic. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, that's really all there is to say about the Nuggets. I think, really, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I was not very articulate from <laughs> no, it's fine. my side, but it, it, it's hard to talk about the Nuggets. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. It's like I feel like in the past with the down teams, we can kind of point to specific things that are wrong with them right now and like elaborate on it. But I feel like with the Nuggets and you know the um and like the Bucks and the Wizards, it was kind of tough this week because it's like you know well what is going wrong? And I think you know with the Nuggets, I guess it makes kind of sense is they just don't have a hell of a lot there really, and that I agree they need to start moving pieces and stuff as they can i think trading kind of three isn't the worst idea in the world i mean you have nurkic you have uh joe kitch also and you can you know start one of them at center and then move one to power forward or you can you, you have the pieces you can work with you know so you just gotta hope that going forward they kind of they kind of figure it all out so moving on to the players you have to do this kind of quickly because they have to get going actually in a few minutes but um for our three up players, the first one we'll talk about is Russell Westbrook, who, as expected, I think, I mean, I don't think it's surprising to anyone, has been going on a complete tear so far this season. Um, during that stretch with KD, without KD, obviously, he looked good. But on the season as a whole, averaging 27.6 points, 9.8 assists, 7.4 rebounds. Just completely ridiculous numbers right now for him. Um, yeah, I... Uh, I don't really know where to go with talking about Russell Westbrook outside of the fact that he's such a huge part of this Thunder team that so much of their success in the same way that it lies on Durant does lie on Westbrook being healthy as well, I think. I mean, he's kind of just consistently puts together these insane performances. Just uh, last night, actually, in that lost Atlanta, 34 points, 11 rebounds, 7 assists. So... 
obviously I came with six turnovers, which is the one spot of concern with Westbrook just because of the style of play is that he will turn the ball over a decent amount in a given game. Yeah, I mean, we talked about him when we talked about the Thunder. I mean, he is damn close to averaging a triple-double. Yeah. And, I mean, he's and he single-handedly keeps the Thunder in playoff contention with, you know, Kevin Durant's continued injury. He's, he's a great player. And, I mean, he doesn't look to slow down. I mean, 29-9-7 and seven kind of speaks for itself. Yeah. Yes, uh, it, you know, you look at the numbers and it's what you say, you know, it speaks for itself. Um, I guess moving on to another really good point guard. Well, depends what you define as being really good, I guess. Um, Rajon Rondo for the Sacramento Kings, a player going into the season everyone was really unsure about just because of his soured relationship with the Mavericks last season and seeing what he kind of ultimately did for that team in the postseason, which was complete train wreck. Rondo's actually looked half okay so far, though, this season, averaging 12.9 points a game, 10.7 assists, 7.1 rebounds. Um, he is well one of those players any given night can be a triple-double threat. He uh, In November, he had a couple triple-doubles, actually, in the, uh, in the month. Um, but yeah, just I think... Do you think this is something that's going to stick for Rondo? Do you think Rondo in Sacramento is a match made in heaven and something that's going to work out well for him? Or do you think it's going to be a thing as the season goes on, he's eventually going to hit that wall that he hit with the Mavs last year. And he kind of says, well, screw it. I don't really care. You know? Well, I wouldn't call it a match made in heaven. Yeah. But I also wouldn't say, you know, it's, there's no chance that it's going to work out. I mean, I think he's kind of, this is his ceiling these days is, you know, like 13, 10, and 7. Um, yeah. Shooting, you know, making one out of three threes a game, which is pretty decent. And then, <laughs> yeah. I mean, 44% from the floor ain't bad, but he just can't shoot three free throws to save his life. Yeah. So it's... It is what it is. I don't know. Kind of. it, yeah, it is what it is. I think he's he's a good fit in Sacramento, and I think he'll be there for at least this season. I don't think there's any chance they're moving him during the season, but he'll definitely never be much better than he is now. But I think that's definitely a serviceable, solid point guard. Yeah. I think that's kind of the most you can expect out of him this season. I mean, obviously don't build a team around the guy at this point, which, you know, I don't think Sacramento is doing that. I don't really know what, Sacramento's going for really anymore this season, to be completely honest. But, but you know, just enjoy it for what you can this season, enjoying Rondo, just having those weird games where he has, you know, those near triple doubles on a given night. Um, Paul George, last player we have for our three up, he's been on a complete tear so far this season, averaging 27.2 points per game, 8.1 rebounds, 4.4 assists, shooting 45%. And also 45% from three. So Paul George, one of those players who I think, and I think most people would agree, is going to be thrown into the MVP. Uh, He's going to be an MVP candidate at the end of the season. I don't know if he necessarily will win it. He'll be in the conversation, I'm sure, though, and he'll get some votes on his ballot for that as well. Um, Really, the 
the whole team, their success this season hinges on Paul George being good, which is a lot of pressure on him. But I think from what we've seen so far this season, he he has the uh, tools and all the capabilities to to do what he needs to do to really push this team to make a strong uh, a strong run the postseason. I think there are other issues that the Pacers need to address if they want to be a playoff team that can get past the second round of the playoffs and make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Their lack of a really good front court is kind of what concerns me, I think, the most going forward. But by and large, Paul George has been really, really good so far this season. Yeah, I mean, I think you covered it pretty well. I don't have anything else to say. Okay. So moving on to our down players, Victor Oladipo. Who we talked about earlier in the podcast. Um, bench. Quick. Yeah, just benched the last three games. And just quickly, he is his uh, career low in points right now. Or no, I guess his, he's, got, he's averaging half a point more than his rookie year. Right, just yeah. Pretty bad. He averaged 18 points last year. He's at 14 right now. Mm-hmm. Shooting career low from in terms of like field goal efficiency. Mm-hmm. And shooting... 38% from the field, another career low. 26% from three, another Oof. career low. Um, basically making one out of four threes a game and an inefficient five of 13 on any given game. And where he used to kind of be, you know, could he get a triple-double at any given moment? The only thing he's really doing, he's really improved on in his, is his rebounds, and he's grabbing six of those, which is solid. But – Still, I mean, four assists isn't bad, it's, but it's about his average. He just he took a, ste- a significant step back this year, and I don't know what else there really is to say about him besides, you know, what the hell? Yeah, right. It's 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 a drop that I didn't really expect to see. I think, you know, getting benched. He's performed okay off the bench so far this season. Um, let's take a really quick look at that. Um, so off the bench so far, averaging 20 points per game, shooting 43%, three-point percentage still, kind of what we had said before, um, 5.7 assists. Granted, it's only three games, pretty small sample size, but I don't think he's going to be reduced to a bench role through the rest of the season. I think he's going to make his way back into the starting lineup. But at the same token, if you're having success with what you have right now, there's no reason to change it up if you're the Magic. So. Yeah, and I mean, it's going to send a message to Oladipo as well, you know, get yeah. your act together and, you know, don't know what happened with him, but something happened and he needs to get his head on straight. Right, exactly. Um, so Derek Rose, our next player, is trying to think of some really clever way to segue from that, you know, thinking about his... Well, if we're talking about getting head on straight, we should have gone to Okafor. But oh, we're already yeah, on Derek Rose, we're already on Derek Rose, we'll get the that uh well spoiler alert but we'll get to Julie we'll get that for in a minute correct um, um but derrick rose for all the bad we're gonna we're about to say the one way i want to preface it is he's playing a lot more team basketball this year yeah which is a great sign and it, it actually makes uh you know a bulls fan hopeful for the future because it's no longer me, 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 I'm the best player, I need the ball. It's, hey, Jimmy, you're having a good game, and it's crunch time. Maybe you should, you know, touch the ball. 
Yeah. But for all that, he's still one of the most inefficient players in the NBA. His uh, PER right now is like a 10.5. Yeah. So he's he's got a 10 PER averaging, you know, like 24 minutes a game, 20 mm-hmm. maybe I probably think even a little bit more than that. Right. That's it's just bad. I mean, he's inefficient. He's not shooting the ball well like I, I mean like I said the John Wall stat line. I mean, he's every night in night out it's Derrick Rose goes 5 for 14, you know, he gets like 16 18 points. So, oh hey, scored some baskets, but it's like Yeah. <laughs> but a terribly inefficient, you know, yeah. 18 points. Yeah. You know, he's not shooting well. And there's the whole thing about him having double vision right now. And like, I guess, you know, I get that. I think that, you know, it's a very valid reason for him to be performing badly, but it's, it's numbers that you can't ignore. I mean, he has looked, I want, you know, I want to be able to applaud him for having a really good court vision right now. And so far as like, Oh, he's finding guys for open looks and, even last night against the Spurs, he should have had an extra two or three assists. But it was purely because one time, I remember uh, Miritich just completely blew an open layup, and you know that would have netted him another assist in that game. But uh, but yeah, this it's it's disappointing to see that this is what is going on with Derrick Rose right now. I don't think that this poor level of play is going to last throughout the season. I think once his vision gets corrected, things are going to look better for him going forward. But at the same token. There are things that we saw even last season that were flaws in his game. His the fact that he wouldn't drive as hard into the lane as he used to, and things like that. Things that make sense due to his injury history, but those are such key parts of his game that it concerns me to know that he won't be able to do them probably going forward. But all it means is he has to adjust his game, which I think he's more than capable of doing. Yeah, and he still can't shoot the threes, but he's taking less of them. So That's it looks like he's he's slowly learning. Um, but again, definitely a player trending down at the moment. He, for all we know, he could be trending up next week, but that's probably our inner Bulls fan coming right. out because we need to be fair. We need to be as unbiased as possible. And if we're being unbiased, Derrick Rose is not playing great basketball. There's flashes of potential but he has got a lot of adjusting to do. Mm-hmm. And speaking of adjusting, there we go. There's someone who did not adjust very well to the NBA life, and that is Jaleel Okafor. Now, this yeah. is a trending down, not in necessarily terms of his statistics, because he's playing pretty solid basketball. You know, he's definitely up there on the rookie ladder. But this dude has some issues at the moment. He is very, very immature. I think something we kind of saw from him at Duke. He is one of those players. It's kind of like how I almost described uh, Whiteside at the beginning of last year where it was, I deserve everything. It's almost like a rich kid's attitude. Mm-hmm. Like, I deserve everything. You know, I have no one really to thank for, you know, what I've done. This is mine. And I, you know, I'm better than everyone else. And although that might work a little bit on the court because he's playing good basketball, it has not worked for him off the court. I mean, why the hell do you need to go 108 miles an hour over a bridge? Yeah. Why? There's no reason to. 
you know, why are you using a fake ID when you are an NBA star and you could probably just say, hey, I'm on the friggin' Sixers. I was their top draft pick. I have millions of dollars. I'm Give me a beer. <laughs> yeah. Or not even, I mean, these guys don't even necessarily have to drink. Yeah. They just have to get in. That's all they care about. They want to get in so they can meet women. That's not yeah. that hard. Just get into the bar. Don't, you don't need to be using a fake ID. And why the hell are you using a fake ID when you're 6'11 and probably one of the most notable faces in, you know, on the Sixers right now? Exactly. Yeah. It's um, it's a lot of this maturing he needs to do going forward. I mean, there was a report that came out that he is going to have, <laughs> sorry, he's going to have a security guard with him at the arena or something like that at games and stuff. So because he's an idiot mouthing off to people with guns. Yeah, like that's not that's not going to work out well for him. So he just needs to he just needs to kind of get it together. He needs to just mature a bit. He needs to recognize. That he does, like, admittedly, yeah, he's an NBA player and he has money and stuff like that. It's like at a certain point, you just need to reel it back a little bit, recognize there are situations you don't need to get involved in. There are people who are going to shit talk you, and that's just part of it. That's what comes with the job. And the most you can do is just go out and play your hardest every given night. And that's because he's not, he hasn't been bad this season for the Sixers. He's been like one of the bright spots of what's been a really terrible start for that team right now a 0 and 18 start um but he's he's been a bright spot averaging 17.5 points a game 8.2 rebounds so this needs to kind of reel it back recognize yeah people are going to yell shit at me and that that he seems to kind of not care which i know it's hard not to do i guess but and work on forward, his body language a little bit too because oh uh, yeah like I mean, I get you're 0 and 18, and you came off of a national championship, so you're not really accustomed to losing. Yeah. But having the cameras catch you multiple times, just basically with pure disgust about your situation, is ex- mm-hmm. is just so unprofessional. Right. You know, being for being a professional means coming into work, working hard, and not bringing in really much emotion you know your emotions are for the basketball court and the basketball court alone go channel that into you know playing well but when you're done with the game think of you can think about what you did well and obviously you know the situation you're in you know you're playing for the Sixers who want to lose so why one loss gets you so mad that the cameras are catching you just basically disgusted and just deflated yeah like that's not good I know a lot of people are saying oh it's good that he cares so much I don't think it is that great. Nerlens plays great and they don't see him. They don't, the cameras don't catch him doing that. Like yeah. it just all points to how immature Okafor actually is. Mm-hmm. And just imagine if he can mature and channel all this and get even better than he already is. Cause he's playing great basketball. There's, yeah. there's no doubt about it. He is in contention for rookie of the year at the moment. You know, he's probably not going to win it. He's not leading right now, but he is certainly in contention and he is going to be easily, all rookie first team and he's got a bright future ahead of him, but he needs to get his head on straight. Yeah, definitely. I think you punctuated the point really well. And uh, that's a good note for us to, to leave on. I think. Yep. Get to work, John. Yeah, seriously. I have to, I have to get going. So if you want to subscribe to the midweek exception, we are on iTunes and pocket cast. Just type in midweek exception. You can also listen to us on multiple sources.net. 
we tweet sometimes about games and also on new podcasts go up. So look at our Twitter page at MW exception. <laughs> That's a really weird way to drop your Twitter to say, look at the page. But uh, anyway, uh, thanks a ton for listening. Shoot us some tweets or whatever, really, whatever you really want to do. Uh, but yeah, thanks for listening.